The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Gospel reading from Mark chapter 4, and especially these words of Jesus, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you still so afraid? Why do you have no faith? You're invited to be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Be still. It's the kind of thing you say to a toddler who simply cannot seem to remain in one place for more than an instant. It's the kind of thing a parent says to their little one who can't seem to control their little arms and legs from going here and there. But as almost any parent knows, unfortunately that command to be still does not simply bring about the stillness that the parent desires. At times it can seem that the desire to fidget and move in a young person is so strong that no simple words could ever defeat its power. I suppose, in a sense, this is how the disciples felt at first when they heard Jesus, their Lord, utter the words, Be still, to the mighty sea. I mean, any of you who have ever been out on a lake when the sea turned rough, or any of you who have simply stood at the edge of Lake Superior up in Duluth when the waters are not by any means calm, know just how forceful the sea can be. You understand how miraculous it truly was that Jesus told the waters to be still and they simply obeyed. I mean, with all of our modern technology and all of our knowledge about how the sea and the wind works, everybody knows that when the waters decide they will have their way, the only solution for humanity is simply to get out of their way as best as you can. In that boat that day, in our gospel reading, there was actually a force, though, that was much stronger than the desire that toddlers have to fidget. A force much stronger than the will of the sea to rage. And now I know, being in church, that you think I'm referring to Jesus. But actually, I'm not, yet. Oh, I have no fear. We will soon talk about Jesus and his authority to not only command something to be still, but actually having the power to make it be still. But we're not there yet. The force in that boat that I'm talking about is the stubborn spirit of man that loves to worry. I mean, how many times in the history of the world has someone who is filled with worry and anxiety and maybe even been rage been told to stop and be still and yet simply ignored that command? How many times has this command to be still been given to one person or another and yet been proven to be completely powerless to affect that stillness? How many times have you told yourself or had someone else tell you when you were shaken or stirred and raging 
that you really should just be still. And yet you knew inside yourself that the chance of that happening of your own power and volition were not very good. Well, it's not that we as humans somehow decide actively to fight against the command to be still. It's simply that our sinful, fallen nature starts off so totally at odds with that command. You know this to be true, don't you? You know that according to your own sinful nature, things like being at peace, being still, being calm, are not exactly common occurrences in life. I mean, for each of us, the things that cause us anxiety or fear or worry are probably different. Some of us worry about our loved ones incessantly, or we worry about our ability to thrive in certain circumstances. Others of us worry about our health. Still others are worried constantly about money. There is always in life some reason to not be still. We're much like the sea that way, I suppose. Oh, in one moment we might be more or less unsettled. But it is truly a rare occurrence that we would truly be completely still. And so it might be right to suggest that Jesus attempts a greater miracle when he tells his disciples that they should not fear than when he tells the sea to be still. For in the first case, he's dealing with a much more vicious and consistent force. He's battling with a force that is as old and powerful as that first bite into the flesh of the forbidden fruit back in Eden. I don't really think I need to spend a lot of time today trying to convince you that humanity is often fraught with fear and anxiety and worry. After all, there are so many ways to prove this, especially in our modern world. The number of pills that are popped, psychologists that are consulted, and vices that are engaged in as an escape would be just a couple of ways we could easily make this point. The number of hours of sleep missed, ancient, anxious texts sent out, and also all those insurance policies that have been taken out would be further indication that we are full of worry. And we could go on. You see, we modern people are sophisticated and committed worriers. But today, rather than try to convince you of that thing you already know, that people are worriers, we will instead speak about why it is that we are so filled with worry and what Jesus puts forward in the scriptures as the answer to worry. And here's what the scriptures reveal. You and I worry when we are uncertain about something, and then we meditate upon that uncertainty. You see, the disciples sort of gave this away in the answer that they give at the end of our gospel reading. They say, who is this that even the wind and the seas obey them? And in speaking that, they make clear that the reason for their worry and fear and anxiety is that they still did not understand who was with them in the boat. 
They did still not know exactly who Jesus was, what power he truly could yield, and how he intended to use that authority. And ultimately in life, that is our issue as well. We may like to think that we know who Jesus is and what power he has and how he intends to use that power. And in one way, of course, we do know this by faith. But let's not be so arrogant as to suggest that we never forget those things. Let us admit that we often forget those things in moments when trouble comes knocking. We often forget and then we allow worry to take that place where fear, love, and trust in God should dwell in our life. No, no one has to necessarily be taught how to worry. Although I suppose we do pick up some tips and tricks from other worriers throughout the years on how to do that worrying with great style. But one does not have to be taught how it is that one can come to worry. But on the other hand, one does have to be taught how it is that worry is relieved. And how is that? Well, the thoughts about what might happen or what could happen must be replaced by thoughts that are focused on what is certain and true. And so instead of spending our life worrying about what might happen to our health, we are to be directed to know what there is to know about God for certain. Instead of spending our life worrying about what might happen with our money or with our finances, we are to focus on the certainty of God's love for us, which he has shown us in his son Jesus. Instead of being worried about whatever it is, that is your particular worry, those thoughts must be replaced with the certain truths that God loves you in Christ Jesus and that he has promised to shepherd you so perfectly through life that you will never be left in want. God today wants to fill your mind and your heart with such thoughts. It's what he intends to do through his Bible that one that is here in church or that one that is there on your nightstand or on your shelf. It's what he desires to do through those hymns that are in the hymnal in front of you. It's what he plans to do through your pastor or through a Christian friend as they open their mouth to encourage you. He wants to replace your anxious thoughts about uncertain things with the certain truth that he loves you and that he will never leave you or forsake you. Have you ever wanted to see a real, live miracle with your own eyes? Have you ever wanted to have something like that that you could share with others? Well, today, it happens right here in this place. Today, God, through his word, commands you to be still. And it is so. He takes your mind's favorite uncertainties that it loves to toss around time and time again, and he replaces them with the certainty of his love for you in Christ Jesus. He places before your eyes today the cross of his son Jesus and tells you that no matter what 
comes in this world, that love that he showed you there on Calvary, well, it will persist with you throughout this world. He places your eyes upon the open, empty tomb to remind you that while this world is surely filled with all sorts of uncertainty that the devil loves to use to cause worry, that Jesus has conquered this world. He has conquered this world completely. The world no longer is the final thing that will be spoken. No, instead, Jesus will one day take you to a place where there will be no more worry or fear or anxiety, because only the things that are certain and true will persist. Well, I suppose you might be more tempted to talk to others about what had happened if you literally were on a boat with Jesus in the midst of a raging sea and he told it to be still, and it did. But truthfully, you should not be more likely to talk about that than to talk about what has happened to you this day. You see, more people every day struggle with worry and anxiety and fear than are ever in a boat when the sea gets rather rough and choppy. The story of the miracle that Jesus works in the hearts of his people, indeed, is much more powerful and certainly more relevant to the people that you are dealing with each day. Don't get me wrong. The next time you're on a boat with a bunch of people and the sea begins to rage and you think that you might die, well, then I'd go straight to the story about Jesus stilling the sea. But on every other day, when there is no literal sea rocking, but there's plenty of rocking in the life around you that's causing worry and anxiety, well, then I would lead not with telling them about Jesus calming the sea, but rather by telling them how Jesus replaces the worries that are caused by the uncertainties of life with the great and certain truth that his love for us is constant and unending. Tell other people that God will never leave them nor forsake them. For that miracle is much more important to your daily life, and it is much more important to the lives of the average people that you deal with each day. You see, ultimately, worry is sinful. And sin is toxic in every way. It's toxic both for peace in this life, and it's toxic in regards to our well-being in the life to come. You today are called away from that sin. And you are called to the certainty of God's love for you in Christ Jesus. Don't be so foolish as to hold on so tightly to your worries that you fail to lay hold of the comfort of knowing Christ and his love with absolute certainty, that kind of certainty that only the Holy Spirit can bring about. Oh yes, Jesus spoke and the sea was calmed. And that was miraculous. For in the Bible there is no inanimate object in all of creation that garners more fear and worry than the sea. But here, today, in this place, Jesus does something even more impressive than that. He commands you to be still. And you are. He replaces your worry with Jesus. And you are still. And that 
It's a miracle indeed. Amen.